0: Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based
1: VR. Hey there, so Bob Cooney back again for another Deep Dive. This is our fourth in an ongoing series of Deep Dive webinars with some of the, who I think are the most interesting people that I want to spend my time talking to in the VR, AR, location-based entertainment industry. Got some really good announcements of upcoming guests. So George Carter III, who invented laser tag, so he created Photon, is one of my heroes, has agreed to do a deep dive with me coming up. Armando from Creative Works is going to do one, and they're doing a bunch of stuff in eSports, which is really interesting to me. So we're going to talk about his experience with VR and laser tag and esports and how it might all kind of converge in the future. Life from Hologate is going to come on, which might wind up being a little bit of a rebuttal of this one. So that'll be interesting because the minority media guys are, as I like to say, inspired by the Hologate product. Though I think they'll tell you they were working on this long before Hologate had it, its success And yeah, and there's a whole bunch of others. So we've got a lineup of 12 peoples already agreed, and I think we're gonna be keep rolling. And so, oh, one more thing, disclosure, disclaimer. I work with some of the companies that have been guests on the webinar. Some of them I've worked in the past, some of them I work with presently, some of them I might work with in the future. I'm really careful about conflict of interest, and I'm a big believer in transparency and honesty and integrity. And so I do want to say that, and it's inevitable because I work with some of the leading companies in the VR space. And, and so it's going to happen. I do work with Minority Media on some of their marketing and go to market strategy. I've worked with Hologate. I've worked with Zero Latency. I work with Holodeck. I don't work with Zero Latency and, and Hologate anymore, but I have in the past. So. Like it's inevitable that those things are going to cross, and I just want you to know that I'm not trying to hide that. I'm not trying to brag about it. It just is what it is. And if you have questions or concerns about whether I'm being fair and honest, please drop me a message and we can have that conversation. So, anyway, enough about me. Michael Zaidan, Sylvain Proutou. Proutou. close enough. Proutou, from Montreal, from Minority Media. Thanks for joining.
0: No problem. We were just noticing while we were waiting that we're really representing Canada in our plaid outfits, and <laughs> it's minus 13 Celsius, uh, minus Fahrenheit. 13 Fahrenheit outside, so we're...
1: Where's we're the tube in the back, Bacon?
0: Yeah, we're glad to be with the people from Texas and San Francisco today.
1: Bob and Doug McKenzie, welcome! <laughs> hey, everybody. So um, keep the chat going, by the way. The chat is open. Everybody can see everybody else's chat, so... We'll try to respond to them as much as we can in real time. And at the end, we'll flip through and see if we missed anything. So, all right. So first of all, Minority Media, out of Montreal, I met these guys at the Greenlight VR conference in San Francisco. Was it two years ago?
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the, the first time we crossed our path. Yeah.
1: yeah, and they had this basically a pitch deck. The game was in development, and they had a bunch of screenshots, and we're talking about this kind of VR multiplayer social game. And I and was really interesting. So it's been really fascinating to watch it actually come to life and be a thing. So congratulations, first of all, on getting a product actually done and into the market and sold and starting to generate revenue because there's a lot of companies that are in the VR space that actually don't get to that spot. So congratulations.
0: Well, thanks very much. And you know, like a big part of it, just to give credit where credit is due, is uh, you, know, you coming on board and helping us with our go-to-market strategy. I know it's it's true it's true you know where we started and where we've come in the last year has been amazing I mean we sat down at the end of last year and and looked and it literally was that like uh, and the first time I met you was last year at Amusement Expo where all I had was a CG image and uh, you know we're going to be at Amusement Expo this year with like a full rig loaded up with games and so it's been a crazy interesting year and it's been a very interesting new market to get into because we come from a a game developer background which is like a much
1: much different than the yeah. location-based world okay. you know and we're going to talk about some of the challenges and the advantages of that here in a minute so look i want to start there's a video trailer video i just want to start with that for people who aren't familiar with the product and the solution i thought we could just start by showing a quick video um, so let's see how this works Come <laughs> on. So, there's a bunch of stuff in that video that I want to get to and I want to ask you about, and I want to talk about. But there's also another video that I want to show that you guys sent me, which I think is hilarious, which is the first time. So, we got together. You guys were at Asian Amusement Expo in Hong Kong last June, and you were the guest of the Montreal, some Montreal Chamber of Commerce or something like that. What was it?
0: Yeah, it was the uh, Connected Finn. So, we kind of piggybacked on, uh, into their booth.
1: Yeah, we kind of. Yeah, do <laughs> we kind of. Do and like this little one-player demo that I know Michael. You were going crazy trying to get running and running it off a laptop and a yep. vibe, and but um, I actually got to play it. Was the first time I actually got to play the game. <laughs> so. So I guess I would actually get into it. So that's the problem with immersion, and one of the cool things about VR as a spectation event is we can make fools of ourselves, and people get you to do. take yeah, video. I'm and
0: proud around you too. By the end, I think the entire show it just was just <laughs> watching you play. It. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the old great. fat guy screaming at robots for stealing my gold. So yeah, thanks for taking that and putting it on YouTube. Really happy to share. Um, that. And so look, so let's talk about some of the things. Well, first of all, let's talk about the background and the game developer talk about the team a little bit, because you guys came from consumer games, right? And there's a lot of consumer game companies now that are moving into VR, or have moved into VR. And then they were like, "Ah, oh, fuck, VR's not happening. Let's move into location based VR. So talk about some of the, the advantages and the challenges that you've kind of seen in making that transition.
0: Well, I mean, the advantages, I think are clear, and I hope we wear them on our sleeve, you know, all of our uh Developers come from AAA game backgrounds. They're all guys that have worked on Batman Arkham Knights and Splinter Cell and Grand Theft Auto. And they just, uh, these really, really big IPs. So they really know a lot about game design. So that's been the obvious benefit in creating, you know, like a small tight game with, you know, as much replayability as possible. That's, you know, with a high fun factor, like we're making games, not VR experiences. The challenge that, you know, back in the day, you just sort of hit a button and the game's out <laughs> and you, you know, manage people online and have a community manager. And, uh, you know, we've had to redevelop, we've had to develop a hardware team. We've had to figure out how, you know, what cost of goods is, you know, like how that all works, <laughs> how shipping containers work. You know, we've made, we made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, uh, you know, each time we mess up, we learn and we optimize. It's a different beast, you know, so we, we had half of the learning. And we really had to ramp up the second half and, you know, get somebody to to head up operations. who really knew a lot about that. You know, we've got a guy who's just in charge of, uh, you know, deployment and shipping and operations now. uh, We, we, you know, we don't have a community manager. We have a support guy uh, who's who's managing uh, a team that's managing uh, support across, you know, five, 10 time zones with all these different apps. And, you know, so it's a different different creature.
1: So let's talk about the game design thing. So I have been vocal and critical around a lack of real game design from a game design perspective, like using the word game design in its technical term, which I don't know that a lot of people understand what it even is. And I think that a lot of people ask about, we're gonna get into some of the locations in a little bit. A lot of people don't understand. They think that like you could just tell a story or you can just build a really good environment. And we're seeing a lot of wave shooters, for example, that like really repetitive in the, and what I call the core, I refer to the core loop a lot, like they're lacking in games. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Like how big is your team and how long did it take you to develop the Chaos Jump game?
0: Okay, the team is around 25 people and we spent around 10 months developing Chaos Jump. So it was a pretty big effort. And coming from you know, the background that we came from, we also had the sort of added benefit of getting into it with a lot of VR, accumulated VR knowledge. Like our studios started developing for VR when Lucky's Kickstarter campaign came out, like before Oculus was bought by Facebook. We were one of the early developers.
1: Well, from that though, you you build a game and the game took 25 people, 10 months. And that's the thing is like, when I think about the arcade industry, and I've been in that industry for a long time, you know, these studios would come out with one game every couple of years, like Sega, Namco, Taito, Konami, you know, they put a lot of effort into building an arcade game that had a lot of replayability. And so, you know, I think that there's two school of thoughts that I'm seeing right now. And and I know Mario Kahn's watching and he's in one of these camps, you know, I've spoken is that, you know, in order to drive replay, you have to have a lot of games. And I think my belief is the reason for that is because the games aren't actually very good. And so what happens is we have companies that are pooping out games at a rapid rate that really are environments with VR play in them. They are not real games the way I would describe a game with strategy and core loop and game mechanics built into it, something that like something like Raw Thrills and Eugene Jarvis would create. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you have to do is you have to have lots of different games because no one game is good enough for people to want to play again. And so I feel like what you guys are doing is a very different approach that A, is really controversial and B, which is one of your challenges, I'm assuming is not necessarily fitting the conventional wisdom of the location-based VR business right now where everybody seems to want a library. So talk to me about that.
0: Well, I'll start with talking about Chaos Jump, you know, because the game was in development for a while and we really thought about, you know, what does it mean to make a game that is going to have a a very wide appeal? So it's a game that, that a dad would play with their kid. It was exciting enough, but not, you know, blood and gore. So you don't mind your kid playing it. Because replayability is very important to operators and to game makers. So there's two sort of elements that we tried to integrate to increase replayability with the Chaos Junk Unit. So first of all, it's a competitive game and a co-op game at the same time, which is super cool, right? Each level, you you come in, you know, you've got robots attacking you, you're fighting, and you're collecting gold, and you're collecting points, and every level somebody wins, There's a winner, then second place, third place, and fourth place. And the winner, a cool crown floats up above their head. You
1: can see the other players. And I've got a video of that, so I'm going to try to put that video up while you're talking. Like the people in the game, and there's a winner wearing a crown. (laughs) So this is the end where they're all actually all shooting each other, right? People like.
0: The crown comes up. Yeah, and I don't know. If, I don't know if that came through or not. So. Yeah. A little screenshot that I think I shared with you, where you can sort of see them in the in the World War II environment. You can see the T Rex with it, but uh, you know the idea being like you, you play the game, and it's very kind of your blood really kind of rises by the end of it. The first time the crown ha- happens, you don't really you're not really aware, or, or you don't you're not ready, for, and then you see somebody's got it, and the next time. You want it. And you go into the next level, you know, sort of like eager for it. And this builds through the levels until the final. Yeah, see, so that's basically what it looks like. You're fighting these robots that are coming in. You know, it's cool because it's a real use of the virtual reality space. It's kind of like being in, in Mario and you've suddenly got this gold crown above your head. It's very cool stuff. And so level to level, you know, you're competing against your buddies. Somebody wins. And then the final level the, the platform all comes apart. You've got a big boss fight and all of a sudden you have to work together to defeat the boss. And if you can't work together, you all sort of fail together and you end up in a fail state. And at the end you've got, you know, we've got all kinds of different ways to win. So you could be bot destroyer, most gold claims. Like what, another one of the, one of the functionalities within the level is, you know, you're vacuuming gold and you're collecting gold. And this sort of adds to your point count. So what we tried to do is create, You know, a game that's like simple, fast to get into, but there's a lot of different variety, you know. And, you know, towards that end, we created um, sort of a randomizer. So each time you go into a level, there's four different universes that might be in that level. So there's 400 and some odd different possible combinations that you can get playing. So the experience is never exactly the same. So, I mean, we went in knowing that we were, you know, we were going to come out with one game. And then we were going to fill the library. So we really tried to make this game as compelling as possible, you know, for repeat play.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I know you've done, which I think was really interesting was creating this randomizer, right? So, and I want to, I want to share some of the level design that you've done, because I think I actually, I'm a fan of some of the stuff that you guys have done. Cause I think it's really, really different and compelling and, and a unique approach again, not necessarily what everybody is doing. And so maybe a little risky from a business standpoint, but um, I love it's companies. Cool it's, yeah. cool,
0: it's very cool stuff. You know, so that's the other, you go into the game and a lot of like VR games, you kind of land and you're in your one thing and you've got stuff coming at you and you're shooting it. And mm-hmm. then it's over this one. You're transported from level to level from universe to universe. Like that's a great level. You're in the middle of a ship that's being ripped apart by a kraken. There's all this gold around you that you've got to gather up before the level ends. You know uh, this one, you're in a, floating kind of mysterious Harry Potter library. I mean, we're in VR, we're in fantasy, like why not take people places they've never been? Yeah, Discovery is super powerful in VR. Yeah,
1: and this is like an old men's bathroom in a a gay spa in Berlin, what is this?
0: That's where you'll end up if you fail.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) If you fail with your friends and you're unable to beat the robot together, you end up in the toilet. Not only do you end up in the toilet, your gun shoots garbage. If you enter the win state and you're in the gold room and you've won all the treasure, your gun shoots confetti and you see the players loving it. If not, your gun shoots trash, banana peels, old shoes. We didn't put poo in. We had to talk about it.
1: The shit gun. And so like this looks like some back alley in in Chinatown somewhere. Um, And all of these, and I haven't played like, so I've, (laughs) one of the gripes I've had with the guys is I've played the game a bunch of times. And I still haven't seen some of these levels. And I'm like, are you sure they're in there? Like, promise me they're fucking in there because if I'm going to show this shit and it's not in there, I'm going to be really pissed off. And, and so I've played the game at IAPA and a bunch of different shows, and, and I've never seen some of these levels still as many times as I've played. So how many levels are there? How many game combinations are there within this one game?
0: That's over 400. So you've got uh, how many universes? Like there's 12 different, uh, 18, sorry, different worlds that are randomized and the team is still working on additional ones. Because it's, uh, yeah.
1: It, it... You might want to stop them now. That's probably enough. <laughs> Have them do something else. Have them work on your backend analytics program or something. <laughs> uh, they, they're doing that too. Right?
0: <laughs> That's the end of part one of this interview. Please join us for parts two and three shortly.